Hello, my name is Sam Clements, and welcome to The Love of Cinema, a Picturehouse podcast proudly supported by Kia, powering independent cinema. Vroom, vroom. This is not a monthly review show or an interview special. This is our end of 2023 review show. Hooray! 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 On our end of year shows, what we like to do is break the format a little bit, uh, and I'd like to invite some of my colleagues from the Picture House head office onto the microphone. They're only allowed on once a year, but it's a good time. And actually, uh, this year, uh, we've got a really incredible lineup. I'm joined by five guests. I think this is the most people we've ever had on the podcast. Uh, so you're going to hear a lot of different voices, and let's meet them now. Uh, Claire, you're a, returning, uh, you're a returning guest to the end of year review. Um, who are you and what do you do? So I am Claire Binns and I'm Managing Director of Picturehouse Cinemas and Picturehouse Entertainment. I also programme uh, Picturehouse Central, which is my uh, favourite thing to do almost. And I do occasionally have to ask for help from people, but it's a great job to have and I love what I do. Well, thank you very much. And obviously the podcast is something else you, you love to do. I think you've been on our review show every year since uh, you've been doing these. I'd like to have my voice heard. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and uh, up next, we're going to go around the table in sort of, a, I don't know if this is a clockwise or anti-clockwise order, but Chris, um, this is your first time on the podcast. It is my first ever podcast. I'm very excited. Um, my name's Chris Harris. I'm the programme manager in the programming department at Pitch House, and I programme uh, Hackney... Fulham, The Gate, Henley, and Southampton. Welcome to the show. And uh, we've got a, another returning voice uh, from last year's end of uh, end of year review. Uh, Izzy, welcome. Hi, glad to be back. Um, <laughs> I'm a, a yeah, film programmer in the program department at Picture House, and um, I program a couple of London sites, but I also program your favourite cinemas in Edinburgh and Brighton. Hey, nice. Some beautiful cinemas there. Um, and we've got a couple of, uh, we're ending on a couple of new voices. Rose, welcome to the show. Brand new. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, so my name's Rose. I'm also part of the programming team. So I'm a film programmer. And I have the pleasure of programming The Phoenix in Oxford, uh, the arts in Cambridge, East Dulwich, Liverpool and Exeter. Nice, a good spread, a good yes. geographic spread yes. there. <laughs> uh, and finally, Freya, welcome to the show. Hello, long-time fan, first-time podder. <laughs> I'm a senior programmer for Picture House. I'm uh, South London born and bred, and I also program Ritzy and Clapham and West Norwood, so that makes me very happy. And yeah, excited to be here. Nice. So basically, everyone in this room is, is responsible, obviously with Carol, who has been on previous pods that couldn't make today, um, our programming director, you're, you're responsible for what people see in our cinemas. Yep. So if you have any complaints, listeners, you know where to direct them. <laughs> but also some praise, because I think this year has been a really great year, and, yeah. and we'll sort of get into this, but it's been a really great year. We've showed some really good stuff. Uh, so well done. Well done, programming. <laughs> Thank, Thank you. Thank you, Sam. <laughs> I mean, genuinely, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a Picture House customer, first and foremost, and uh, I think Freya especially, you're, you're, you're <laughs> responsible for programming my locals. <laughs> Are we already singling out Freya as the, the favourite person? Also, great job on marketing. <laughs> 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 Amazing. 
this year. Alright, enough. <laughs> enough. Uh, so as this is the year in review show, people are listening to this sort of close-ish to the end of the year. Um, there's still a few more days of, of 2023, but I thought it'd be good to start off with the UK box office. It's been a, it's been a, it's been a big year. There's been a couple of really big hitters uh, throughout the year. So we've got the UK top 10 from all of the cinemas in the UK, and then the picture house, the best top 10, yeah. is the picture house top 10. Yeah. I don't know how sort of well you guys have memorised or, or studied uh, this list, but what would you expect to be seeing in the UK top 10 um, for 2023? I, I think Freya, who's the person that does all the reports yep. and mm-hmm. the Friday roundups and everything, she should have it down pat. So no yeah. pressure on Freya. <laughs> but get them all right. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, obviously, Barbie and Oppenheimer are going to be the top everywhere for everything. For It'll, everyone. Yeah, for everyone. Yeah, all at once. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so <laughs> one. But in terms of the UK in general, probably like Marvel film, Indiana Jones, Mission Impossible, kids film, Super Mario, Puss in Boots kind of thing that's a, that's a really great summary um, <laughs> there uh, we're not going to overly praise you Freya because I don't want to single anyone out but that was pretty good um, <laughs> it had already started so. <laughs> so in at number 10 in the UK was Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny made 20 million I think at the time people sort of were complaining it wasn't performing but that's a pretty good number I think they would have wanted double that mm. yeah. so, for Harrison Ford's fee alone <laughs> yeah I, I think Disney probably were very disappointed um particularly the amount of money they spent on it. So, yes, a bit of a disappointment. I thought it was all right. I wonder if the can opening kind of... Maybe not yeah, the best. Not the yeah. best place. A weird fit for the can. I think opening. anything that opened in a couple of weeks before Barbie Oppenheimer got completely obliterated. That's I'm sure true. Mission Impossible could have done better as well as mm. Indiana. Yeah, kind yeah. of a crazy time to open. Yeah. Uh, there. But there's quite Tom a gap. Tom Cruise is still sulking. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, there's still uh, there's a bit of a gap between uh, number 10 and 9 so 10 is in Indiana Jones 9 uh, 25 million is Puss in Boots The Last Wish uh, which is a, I thought great. was a really great film Amazing. it feels kind of forgotten well yes yeah. <laughs> not in my heart but yeah, in your heart. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and then we have in uh, Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1 one of the clunkiest film titles of the year <laughs> uh, in at 26 million but yeah I mean these films normally tear it up if you look at what Top Gun Maverick did with Tom Cruise last year um, it made quadruple uh, that but money. I think as missions go it was sort of in line with what they expect but I agree about the title and I think they are going to rename part two as something, <laughs> something different yeah, yeah in order to work that, that that stubbornness of staying on that date that's the Mission Impossible date yeah. it might have done better if they'd well I guess maybe not because Barbie Oppenheimer really did run the whole of the summer but you know a few years ago there would have been like an August action yeah. film release instead I also didn't enjoy the film as much as I have enjoyed watching the YouTube video of Tom Cruise jumping off a cliff <laughs> on a motorbike, which I've watched so many times yeah, now. Yeah, but in a way we'd seen that, and that was the biggest stunt, and they they sort of showed that over and over yeah. again before yeah. the film was opening, and in a way it took away the very heart of the yeah. film. Yeah, that's was a good that point. The, con- the context of it in the film is just him trying to jump onto a train, yeah. which you kind of thought from the trailer that would be something a bit more exciting yeah <laughs> i have to say slightly ridiculous but uh, <laughs> i mean it doesn't matter exactly as we expect, expect people as we expecting expect. napoleon to be uh, historically accurate you know <laughs> yes. it's a film for god's sake yeah. <laughs> i have to say i was someone who was absolutely enamored by top gun maverick and therefore went to see mission impossible 
Dead Reckoning Part 1 and was so disappointed. So I feel like if people were going off of the back of Top Gun Maverick, it's not... It's not the, that same no. quality. It's for the I Mission think, Impossible heads, maybe. I think even going off the back of all of the other Mission Impossible films, which are well, great. Well, it's not Mission it Impossible 6. It wasn't there. Was extraordinary. Yeah, yeah nothing's being for that. But I did really love it, actually. But again, I did my age-old trick of letting everyone dislike it and see it and then seeing it a few weeks later and being like, ah, it's quite a lot of fun with this. Mm. There's, yeah, there's nothing like well. going in with low expectations. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> we had a great time. We live our life with low <laughs> If we leave the listeners of anything. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we say low expectations. Uh, in at number seven, with only one million ahead of Mission Impossible, 27 million The Little Mermaid live action reboot. Oh. Uh, so that came out in May. Wow. Another Disney disappointment, I'm afraid, for me. Uh, yeah, I wasn't I so, so big on this one. I think the whole mission for uh, Disney of like redoing all of their classic animations as sort of less good live action films yeah. <laughs> is, yeah. is sort of something which is, is, is really starting to uh, become a bit of a chore in terms of my cinema going yeah Uh, yeah i think for all of them every time i watch a disney live action it just kind of loses soul they always feel a bit cold to me that the algorithms yeah Yeah, algorithms (laughs) just makes you want to go back and watch the original Mm. but but they did make a very nice tote bag which (laughs) (laughs) there's one that you can buy on disney for unfortunately people that went to see the film Chris get a tote bag I feel like we've only got one Chris has been bribed for Disney (laughs) my daughter loves it I was going to say we've only got one dad here so but what were the kids feeling for Little Mermaid, because that's the true audience. My, my kids are too young to see oh. that, I'm afraid. I did try and take them to see Puss in Boots at the Duke of York's mm. Brighton, and hey. uh, unfortunately we had to run out after 20 minutes because my son was terrified. But, <laughs> which was a shame, because I thought it looked well, great. Well, when my <laughs> children were terrified in films, I forced them to stay. Oh. That was the only way to do it. The only and they got over it. Oh, really? <laughs> uh, my parents made me do that, and look at me now. <laughs> Good, build character. In at number six, another part one, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. <gasps> Good. Yes. You see, you didn't mention that one. And I think that's because it's, in, and it's, it's an sort of it it yeah. sort of it hasn't got the the sort of profile. And actually, everybody loved it yeah. and thought it was terrific. I think it's an art top turn as well. Yeah. It's, it's like kind of that perfect blend of like just a good quality film that will do well in Pitch House yeah. and the UK. It's cool. It crosses over, even though it's a big studio animation, it's got lots of like great filmmaking credentials, really yeah. amazing soundtrack, which I've been listening to a lot uh, this year. I was a bit annoyed it was a part one because it's you, it ends and you're like, and? It's a very long <laughs> act two rather than act two and act three. But I saw it in screen one of Central and that Dolby is it's amazing. To, sort of, is, I know people talk about the visuals, but the soundtrack no, is the, the Dolby Atmos in screen one at Central just... Uh, you know, watching Maestro in there the other day, it's just amazing. It adds yeah. so much more to the film. Um, now, number five is a bit of a maverick uh, in here because it came out at the very end of 2022, Avatar Way of Water, but it carried on playing and playing and playing uh, into the beginning of this year. I so won't it's... say a word. I'll say a word. I enjoyed it. I really loved it. 
five star film. Oh, Had a great time. Four star <laughs> film. <won't> say <laughs> Again, it's one I've seen a few times, and I think I've just been sort of beaten into it. you. Yeah. Yeah, I've seen it twice. Oh, yeah. week. Oh, week gone. <laughs> I think I'm yeah. going to join Claire in not saying. <laughs> I don't think I'll ever see it. You can get a tote bag for this one then. <laughs> Sadly not. <laughs> I don't think I'll ever see it not in cinema. The difference. Yeah. It's Definitely. a cinema only watch, I feel. Like, yeah. you have to wait for that. Just went on. I'm sorry, I'm not saying. <laughs> you weren't enamored by the whales, Claire. You weren't crying at the whale scene. It was a talking whale. It was lovely. It's great. Um, in at number four, um, a another Disney title, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three. Um, probably the best comic book superhero film we've had this year. Well, hang on, because Spider-Verse. Oh, I guess. Um, Live action. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. There you go. I think I was thinking of the MCU, which has been yeah, sort of yeah, quite yeah. disappointing um, in, in recent years. But I really uh, really liked Guardians yeah. of the Galaxy. Yeah, yeah. good fun. It's it's gone. It seemed like the only one where the fans seemed happy this year with a Marvel film. Definitely. Yeah, 100%. And now Gunn's gone off to DC, so we'll see <laughs> if he brings that energy to that. But Let's see what he who does. knows. Uh, a great soundtrack, full of heart, um, and kind of like really grown up and, and quite graphic in places, which I wasn't <laughs> expecting. Um, very sad story about a raccoon. Uh, oh yeah, in that one. Um, so our top three. There's a re- there's a big leap now. So we get into Super Mario Brothers the movie, uh, which was uh, in a number three with 54 million pounds. I haven't seen that. Me neither. Weirdly, get out there. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. I it's know. Fine. I know. I feel I need to catch it at Christmas somehow. I always think Universal's the masters of like getting a film out to give fans exactly what they want. Maybe nothing more and nothing more interesting than that. But we'll give a solid product of like the same with their horror films. They'll be like, this is what gets the money and gets the crowd to the extent we want, and that's it. They won't think further than that, which is fine. But um, yeah, it's not a film. It was a film that was a solid capital F fine (laughs) but I would say it was welcome you know it was a welcome film to have on our screens because it's fair to say that post-pandemic like family films have really struggled and so it was nice to see something that people were coming to in good numbers so Absolutely, it was. Uh, it, it sort of tore it up. You can imagine why. You know, it's the most popular video game character of all time. Has had one film which wasn't very well received in the nineties, um, <laughs> and I still kind of like that one. But uh, but yeah, I think this is one maybe a bit more sort of aimed at the target audience. It feels very family. Um, yeah. I think as an older Mario fan, I was sort of left wanting a bit more. But uh, there's some like nice deep cuts for yeah. the nerds in there. If you if you really look, it's a nice sound. Did that take Sam? Fifty-four million. Pounds. Wow. Okay. That's so that's. That's a lot really of is a jump. That's yeah. the four quadrants. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and I think because it was quite short as well, it's sort of uh, it's been a year of quite long films in places. But Mario, I think, was bang on ninety minutes, and I guess you guys can yeah. appreciate a shorter film yeah. from a programming point <laughs> so of view. So can customers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, we went to that preview, and there was a mix of like kids and adults, and then we were all there in our matching dungarees. So, yeah. who are we to talk? <laughs> I do think it's quite amazing that that's number three. I think it sort of says a lot about how some other films have performed this year, possibly. Yeah. yeah. I do think both with Super Mario and Puss in Boots, both of them, when they came out, there was such a long gulf until the next kids' film option. So those sites with loads of screens just keep playing it in their 
weekend mats and stuff. I do think family audiences maybe were underserved this year. Like Puss in yeah. Boots came out in was it January, and then this came out for the Easter holidays, and then they're really over summer. There was Elemental, but it wasn't like a lot. Yeah, uh, for that audience, so I remember Mario just kept playing and playing and yeah. playing and playing. Hundred percent. I mean, I, I would say now that I have young kids, I've realised though that kids they just want to watch a f- if they like a film, they want to watch it thirty times, <laughs> yeah. it's just again and again and again. <laughs> Um, which is Actually, great. I'm like that as an adult. <laughs> <laughs> it has never left me. It's like to get onto Barbie. So let me go into the top two, and these were the, the big two of the year. Um, what I would say is let's talk about these a bit later because they're going to come up in our own um, sort of people in the room top ten. So we've got Oppenheimer in at number two with £58 million, uh, pounds, £4 million ahead of Super Mario Brothers, still playing in cinemas. And number one, Barbie, £95 million, again still on in some cinemas. Ninety-five million pounds. Incredible. <laughs> and how much of that is Freya's? <laughs> <laughs> uh, how many times did you see the film Freya? Freya's wearing a Barbie-related T-shirt, uh, folks, for the podcast. In the thing. cinema, I saw it eight times. I did watch it the other week on Blu-ray, so that would make my night. And how yeah. how did it hold up on Blu-ray? Yeah, still great. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, one star now. It's going here. <laughs> uh, incredible, incredible work. I watched it again last night uh, ahead of this recording because I thought Barbie might come up and I wanted to refresh. Uh, <laughs> How many times have you seen it? So? I've now seen it twice. Twice. Only, only twice. Only twice. Right. Yeah, I mean, only twice. <laughs> so that's the that's what's going on in the UK box office. A picture house. We share some of these titles, but we've got some some different uh, titles in here too. So in picture house, uh, top ten of twenty twenty three. In at number ten is an. Anatomy of a Fall. Yay! <laughs> uh, Pomdor winning uh, film, which has actually only just been released as we're recording. It's been out for like, was it a month now or so? It's yeah. going into its fourth week. Fourth week. Still strong. So quite impressive actually to make it into the top ten um, in just four weeks there. Um, in at number nine, another new entry, Napoleon, which only came oh. out like two weeks ago. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, which is crazy. Oh, uh, had a November. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I do feel like Napoleon and Anatomy of a all are very sort of picture house, you know, well reviewed, made by amazing filmmakers, and uh, and clearly audiences are responding to that too. And then we've got number eight. We we do share with the UK top ten. We've got Spider Verse, uh, which I think is quite surprising because from doing this sort of review podcast, we don't often see like animated films or mm. family type films. I guess this is more than a family film, but mm. um, a pleasant surprise to see Spider Man in there. Yeah, it crosses yeah. over. Yeah. As Freya said, it, it's the kind of film that is intelligent, but also it has a broad appeal and very, very picture house. There were a number of our cinemas that couldn't do enough shows of it. It yeah. was that busy yeah. uh, in those first couple of weeks. So, um, yeah, it really um, pulled them in. I can see it going up and up with the sequel because the first one sort of underperformed and then had more of a life on streaming and mm. sort of video, or, you know, modern equivalent. But um, I could see, like... You know, we could do triple bills of that first one, put them all together, and people would go for sure. Yeah, I think it's got a real fan base. And at the yeah. moment, I don't know if you've seen, they're doing this sort of huge tour where they're playing the score live um, in places mm. like the Apollo in Hammersmith and, and that sort of stuff. And I wow. think that's just going to keep adding. Wait, to I've got a quick. Yeah. In at the picture house number uh, seven is Saltburn, another new entry. Yeah. That November really is our month. A big yeah. November I mean, for picture that house. That is amazing, isn't it? That they've all suddenly popped into the top ten like that and Saltburn will go higher one of the things I one of the things I love about that though is that like three of those titles Anatomy Napoleon Saltburn they are 
all busy right now. Mm. Yeah. And, our, you know, our cinemas are doing really, really well. And it's, um, you know, it's just really nice to see. Definitely. Do you think they'll all be playing, uh, you know, over Christmas as well? Have you sort of got, uh, I know we're recording this a bit in advance, but uh, it sounds like, uh, you know, no, there's think, still chances to I see these in cinemas. I think there will be chances yeah. to see Definitely, them for sure. Uh, I mean, considering that Past Lives is still playing in some of our cinemas 12 weeks after release. Um, <laughs> there's then, always a chance. Then, wild, yes, I, you know, the, these films tend to have a long, a long life. So, yeah, I think definitely we'll still be showing them. Uh, in at number six is Tar, a film from the very beginning of the year, um, which uh, did really well for pictures. Lots of anticipation around this film. It was sort of in last year's awards cycle, but it was released this year, one of those confusing yeah. American versus British yeah. uh, release date titles. But uh, really pleased to see Tar. That was a, a proper proper film for grown-ups. Yeah. I think we uniquely made that ours in a way. Yeah. I think our yeah. audience came out to see that in a way that perhaps at other cinemas they didn't. And that was it was really, really good to see. Pitch our central number one site. Yeah, I, I think the thing about that film was seeing it early on and saying to Universal, we are going to have this, we are going to do great with this and yeah. making them realise that this was a film that would be supported and that we all felt our audiences wanted to see. And they did. Because uh, really, it's wonderful. Yeah. yeah. So excellent. Yeah. Best ending of... In the January releases, I think. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, in at number five, a new-ish release, uh, but an October title, Killers of the Flower Moon. <gasps> wow. Um, which uh, I think has got, you know, unanimously very good reviews from people and, and everyone was excited for a new Scorsese film. People coming out for a film that long as well in the cinema, one that they know is going to go into a streaming service soon-ish, is just... It's a real and, testament to it, isn't it? Yeah. yeah and 100%. all the debate about intermissions mm-hmm. that <laughs> yeah, there yeah. was. And, you don't need uh, them. <laughs> uh, commercially, you need intermissions. <laughs> Sometimes they do fit the film. And it is, you know, when you get an intermission with an orchestral score mm. that brings you back into the film. And it was a thing in the past that Scorsese could have done that. He could have made it a part of the whole cinema-going experience. He chose not to, and therefore it sort of made sense for it not to have an intermission. I think a lot of people look at the runtime and they're like, "Oh, could I? Can I sit through this film?" But once you start watching it, like I, it just uh, you know totally flew by for me. I, I had such a good time with it. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah I mean, Tar also was quite long. Mm-hmm. I think. Yeah, both tar similar to Killers of the Flower Moon, just the kind of perfect pitch house film, awards film, good quality director, good quality film. People Thanks. love to be in our cinemas for a long time. Well, I would <laughs> say we have very comfy chairs. You yes. know, maybe I'm biased, but I've sat in other seats and I found them uncomfortable uh, for a long period. We're not going so named. I, I wanted tar to be longer. <laughs> yeah, even more. But I think like there's something about those long films as well that makes it almost like a bonding experience with the audience. I know at the end of Kids Flower Moon, I saw it at Greenwich Pitch House, and at the end, me and my friend were just sitting there, sort of just stunned, and this woman turned to us and just went. like that and it was just a perfect sort of encapsulation of how it felt to get to the end of that film but you felt like everyone was in it together to go to the end you're right it is that thing that often with a longer film you do talk to each other more when you come out of the film or you know it it has a different audience reaction to in and out in 90 minutes you feel like you've achieved something yeah Yeah. Uh, in at number four, um, a very picturesque title, Where's Anderson's Asteroid City? 
uh, which I think we were the market leader for. Well, I would expect that. Yeah. <laughs> you would expect Wes Anderson to be in our top five, really. Uh, I don't. I would imagine that every Wes Anderson has been in yeah. our top five. <laughs> if you were to go back through the the years that his films are released, I'm sure that it's right up there. We were massive we on are, French Dispatch as well. Yeah, we? I mean, we are the Much home of Wes. We are the home of Wes. I was wondering, because this came out quite close to some films that are up higher in our list, Oppenheimer and Barbie, do you think they kind of took it off screens well, earlier, didn't it? Well, French Dispatch came out the same week as June last time, so yeah. it was tough to was schedule it then as well. So, I think we've all got something to say on Asteroids. <laughs> yeah. And we're all big Wes fans. And in fact, Chester Picture House, which opened on the 10th of November, Woo! is yeah. actually um, dedicated in design to Wes. So I think you can probably say that Picture House are the biggest Wes fans there are. And right. I've seen this film twice, and the first time I was like, hmm, okay. And the second time I loved it. Like, it just clicked. I had so, the exact same experience. Second time I was much more. No, I, well, I love, I love rewatching films quite close together mm. sometimes, and sort of, you know, it's kind of amazing how you can have a different opinion. Uh, I mean, yeah, my mum's the biggest West fan, and she loved it. She said it was Chekhov meets Texas, so. <laughs> <laughs> Incredible. Well, I, I what a just... description. Um, in at number three is Past Lives. That's Chris Hemsworth. <laughs> <Hitchin's laughs> Yeah, what a great film. Yeah. What a yeah. wonderful story. What a triumph for cinemas and also for audiences who have made it such a big hit. I mean, it's just everything you could want from a film. And it's short. This is another film. <laughs> I mean, in theory, it could have not translated completely like often you get those sort of films that are very like you know you see it doing well in New York and stuff and you're like well of course it's New York set but seeing that it's something that goes beyond those borders and it's speaking to everyone and I've sort of had people tell me they're different like how it spoke to them in different ways which I think is the calling hard of a really successful movie if I think the same for After Sun last year like if people are taking different readings that are equally heartfelt then it's going to speak to a broad audience. It's another film I've seen twice and loved it even more the, <laughs> yeah. the second time. It was, it was basically our saviour of September. Like yeah, It was looking yeah. pretty dry and that it was just so solid and remained in our, our top film for the first about five weeks of, <laughs> of its release. And, and yeah, like Chris said, we're still playing it now. So. Yeah. Who would have thought we'd have to worry about it when we were bringing out like Killers of the Flower Moon at the end of yeah. October? <laughs> yeah, and it launched at Sundance London and I can remember mm. when we put it on sale. Mm. It just, the word of mouth, even before it opened, people were buying tickets and we sold out three screens at Central. It was a great launch and the director's Lean Song was so wonderful and so fantastic. And so many of these more independent films, it's the commitment from the director and the cast to promote the films and to work on the films. And I think there's been a lot of that this year with Anatomy of a Fall, we had good support. With Scrapper, we had good support. Yeah. With Past Lives, you know, it's those people working it with us to get those great films to audiences. You should say as well, um, if it's not playing at your local pitch house, keep an eye out because we will be bringing it back in some Ooh. form across the uh, across all sites. <laughs> but I think, and I think it won't be the last <laughs> we hear of this film coming into the awards no. run either. It's already starting to get the critics' attention. 
It's kind of amazing, isn't it? It's a directorial debut, uh, launched at Sundance in January, and it's just had this very like slow build momentum to the fact we're still playing it 12 weeks after release. It's out on DVD yeah. and Blu-ray right now. <laughs> like it, it, didn't, it didn't open crazy massive, but it's just held so well. Definitely. I think, think we're often seeing that now, yeah. that, um, where in the past we might have worried when a film was out on home entertainment that that was the time to take it off at the cinemas. And that's with with films like this in particular. That's just not proving the case. People still want to see it in the best place to see it, which is the cinema. Absolutely, I think it's um, that sort of like a post-pandemic thing, isn't it? It's like oh, I, I haven't got round to it yet, and rather than watching it at home alone, I've done that enough. <laughs> I want to go to the cinema and, and, and see it with people. I think and it, it definitely hurts, like the family films. You see that when it goes on streaming. But yeah, like last year when Banshees went on Disney Plus, we didn't notice like. <laughs> any kind of no. drop of attendees yeah well fingers crossed then for some more past live screenings god I, I love this film and the soundtrack as well is is so good the big yeah. soundtrack guy yeah well you know <laughs> if i'm not watching films i'm just listening to them <laughs> <laughs> well i think we should shout out i believe it was uh it's bill from the Picent team had it in his uh, one of those songs in his spotify top five this year from past oh, yeah. lives oh, wow. and because he, he said he came out of the cinema and just listened to it on repeat all the way home in his feelings about it <laughs> which i think is amazing Aww. Oh, wow, incredible stuff. So um, I'm so pleased that Past Lives is not only in this you know, top three, but it's still playing in cinemas. But then the big two, uh, the ones we've been putting <laughs> off. In at number two for both the UK and Picture House is Oppenheimer, Chris Nolan's latest uh, film, uh, played in 70mm in, in Picture House and 35mm. Yeah. Uh, always nice to dust off those projectors and, and get them working again. So I loved Oppenheimer. I think there's some strong opinions in the panel, but who are the other oppie heads? Oh yeah, that's me. I loved it. Two oppie heads, two yeah. colleagues there. Thank you. Rose, yep. is he? Seen it uh, twice. That's my current crikey. I've seen it three times. Oh, okay. Uh, I think, right, it, I think it warrants seeing. I saw three it like times, twice though. in one week. <laughs> <laughs> I did. I did. Um, I think. I think it was such a rich film. It warranted seeing yeah. you know multiple times. We should give and... our um, formats that we saw it in probably because that seems such an important part. <laughs> oh yeah. What did you see in? Um, IMAX seventy mil, then seventy mil. Ah, what did you see, Rose? Just seventy mil. Just regular. So you saw Croppenheimer. Cro- yes. <laughs> I weigh normal normal Heimer and. Kroppenheimer. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think I've only actually seen this projected on celluloid, which is quite a treat to say yeah. in 2023 Ooh. on 70mm at Central and, and get your brain out as well. Okay. Um, it's, it just looked beautiful. And actually, like, often we see, like, we, we had Mission Impossible in the list earlier, we see IMAX being used for action scenes, but actually see a drama in IMAX to see Killian Murphy's face in close up no. uh, in IMAX yeah. was, was quite something. You need to see that face uncropped. <laughs> <laughs> See that hat and that yeah. pipe. Oh. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. You might not have known he was wearing a hat the whole time. Exactly. If you it cropped. So get out into IMAX because I'm sure they're still playing it in some capacity yeah. or will be. Well, yeah, it kind of made the IMAX uh, this year, didn't it? More yeah. so than some of the action movies. Uh, but it's, it's Nolan knows how to use the formats uh, there. I think this film is, is is kind of a ride. Once it begins, you, you're just you're you're hooked, yeah. uh, and away you go. It's um it's it's three hours of film, but it's also three hours of soundtrack, and it's this really like gripping score mm-hmm. and the third time i watched it, it just felt like an opera yeah, yeah it sounds amazing the sound is yeah the sound design in general or oh, the bomb scene is is unreal um seeing that in imax like opening weekend and you just hear everyone stop well, it makes breathing. the chairs shake yeah know. yeah <laughs> you are like flattened <laughs> against it but that's so it should be <laughs> wonder how many cinema speakers chris nolan's blown out <laughs> oh that sound God, mix. Yeah. <laughs> not to praise barbie while talking about oppenheimer but obviously, i think you can but obviously, <laughs> barbie 
the fact they're out on the same day, Barbie helped Oppenheimer massively. I think its main marketing pull was that it was out on the same day as Barbie and it was directed by Nolan. But I think in terms of his oeuvre, it's one of his least accessible films, yeah. really. Like for it, And it was his number one... It was his number one opening that's not a Batman film. And that's shocking when you think, when you watch the film and see what it is. Yeah. So I, I still think it is quite cool that a film like that did so well for that's the That's the thing I love yeah. about yeah. it. It's it's part of that moment, the Barbenheimer exactly. moment. Yeah. That, that moment doesn't exist without Oppenheimer yeah. as well. And I mean, what a moment it was. <laughs> I've, I've been doing this job so for 16 years it. now and <laughs> I've never... I've never experienced anything quite like that. And I have to say, like, three weeks after Barbie and Oppenheimer came out, I just had these ridiculous expectations of how busy every film should be. <laughs> yeah. It was, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was quite, We were like, it was should we quite, all just quit? It like, was what's quite the a point shock now? coming yeah. back to Earth. It's, yeah. yeah, it does. It feels yeah. like we'll never have that again. Yeah. It's right. It? And this November... And it was amazing. This November's the closest we've got again to <laughs> yes. that like, yes. feeling. Yeah, I'd say but that. It was definitely. the most exciting time. Yeah. Oh my god! Everybody. <laughs> but I, incredible. I know I agree with Freya. Like, as much as I do really love the film, like I maintain most films I love, I just assume won't be commercial successes. So, um, <laughs> but like it, it they did they like Barbie. I do think I feel like people who are going to go to Barbie were always going to go to Barbie, and Barbie was always going to hit with like older families, etc. But there are definitely a, people that were going to Oppenheimer. Like I was in that opening weekend in IMAX, and people were coming out and were like what was that? Did it like really hating it? And I was like, you 100% have gone because you're doing Barbie and Oppenheimer on the same weekend. And like, you wouldn't have gone otherwise. Whereas I think there wasn't many people who just wanted to go to Oppenheimer who would have then gone to Barbie on the same way. Yeah. We have to admit, as much as I love all the film bro directors, there is a certain people who are into them who won't go to things like Barbie and that. So yeah, no, I'm with it that it helps a lot. Although I think, Sorry, Chris Nolan, if you listen to this podcast, I feel like perhaps you wouldn't yeah, like to hear that. But, <laughs> and also, like, it is still an amazing picture house film, yeah. Oppenheimer. Yeah. And I think it shows, I have a fun fact, mm. that so our Oppenheimer gross is about 70% of Barbie, whereas in the UK worldwide, Oppenheimer is about 60% of Barbie. Oh. And that's and we don't have any IMAXs or anything like that. So I think that just shows, like, people want to come to our cinemas for, like, this kind of film. Mm. Like, like a proportionally, proper grown-up film. Yeah. And <laughs> the other cinema. thing that must be said is he is an amazing supporter of cinema. Yes. Yeah. So, you know, regardless of what anybody thinks about the film, the fact that he sees the cinema as the place and the whole reason he left his previous distributor yeah. was because he felt that cinema releases and film... And people seeing them in cinemas is what it's all about. So thank you for... And he's helped to prove that. He was, yeah. He's right. Yeah. yeah. He just didn't predict what the films people were going to go see <laughs> yeah. in the cinema. <laughs> I think it was... That weekend was so electric. And yeah, seeing yeah. people, you know, dressed up in pink, whatever, going... Because they wanted to do both films. They were in Oppenheimer as well. There was this, mm-hmm. like, weird crossover. Of, it was a lot of people's first op- um, Nolan film, um, yeah. which is kind of an it's interesting uh, gateway point. I love I, people committing to the double bell. Yeah, just have think, to do what it. crazy... Yeah. And the, we People having conversations those, like, well, when are you going to see both of them then? Yeah, when are you going to? But it's just like a given yeah, the way people yeah, are talking yeah. about it is like, you know, obviously you're going to see them, but I want to know when and yeah. all that sort of stuff. I think we were looking when we were planning our sites, being like, hey, you could go from this into this screen and like, yeah. you know, like if you run out during the credits, you'd be in the ads and trailers <laughs> of Barbie and like, and what's the best order? I feel like we had a, like, what's what comes first, Oppenheimer or Barbie in your sort of double bill watching? Uh, or is it just Barbie? Twice? Barbie, Barbie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, let's get on to the number one then, which is uh, for Picture House Barbie and for the UK Top 10 Barbie. £95 million pounds at the UK box oh office. God. Absolutely wild. Almost double what Oppenheimer did. Um, there. Um, did anyone see about this coming? At the beginning of the year, was Barbie always going to be the highest grossing film of the year? We're all no. pointing at Freya, right? <laughs> yes. Yeah. I mean, when we were doing forecasting... We were looking at it and looking at what other people were forecasting. We said, oh, no, that'll do more than that. But not in our wildest dreams did we think this I think even Warners was... No, I don't think anybody knew it. It it was... And that's the whole thing about cinema and the job we do is actually it's the audiences that make films it's not us you can market a film you can spend money on it you can do everything you can have all the stars there and it can bomb at the box office and this was completely driven by an energy that was Mm. created yes by brilliant marketing and whatever but it was a moment that was created by audiences not by us 100% I think it was it was just so exciting to have people so like just yeah the general public just so excited about two films coming out two original films by good directors and just like also just knowing when films are coming out like I feel like people don't know when the opening weekends of Mm. films are anymore so yeah it was just very exciting but I think that Barbie had been consistently underestimated because when you try and think about comps for it really the closest thing you can think of is like Mamma Mia and that was about 15 years ago so the studios still don't want to take the risk on kind of a big blockbuster that is unapologetically aimed at women and but the thing is they run and women do want to come out and see it yeah. and it was so exciting on opening day to see so many women just all dressed in pink we didn't ask them to do that <laughs> to come and watch yeah. Barbie and just seeing them on the street in pink and I was like oh you're going to Barbie they're like yeah <laughs> but they could have just been dressed that way I guess <laughs> <laughs> but it's also the, the I mean I remember at our Christmas party in <sighs> December last year and we were watching the trailer on the big oh my screen. god yeah we stopped cheering <laughs> The trailer. It's still a really good trailer. So it, it, it was that sort of, we were hyped up for it. Um, but the, I think the big thing about this is, and this is where they're two original films, they're two films that are from indie directors who have sort of learnt their trade and they've made these amazing films whether you like Oppenheimer or not and I think it is a real wake-up call about what people want to see yeah and it's now whether the studios take that and do something about it because you know well I feel like they're going to keep trying to recreate Barbenheimer but it will never be able to be recreated it was just so organic and so exciting I but. think I think once a tube station renames itself Barbie Can, <laughs> you know it's a slam dunk. Yeah, that's, that's it. it. You're done. That's the thing as well. Like, it up, you lads. can just have so much fun with Barbie, like throughout, and that's what I loved about the. I think that's why everyone liked the comparison between the two because you can't like do fun marketing for often. Yeah. No. Like, Not I without just, involving Barbie. I just love it. It's just like oh, like silly fun film, and they're like these brooding men, and yeah. that's like the two that were against each other. And this all happened during an actor's strike as well like that's crazy to think about because Barbie is kind of you thought like you would think like those two leads are what's making it 
And it's like, no, like it just fully of its own steam was gone just and it out. Was yeah. Yeah, the just film was bigger than like, yeah, one person, I think. And it was this cultural phenomenon, um, which was kind of wild. Like but people who don't like film in my life were talking to me about Barbie. Yeah. I was like, wow. Exactly. <laughs> like everyone I know who don't go to the cinema, they were like so excited to go to Barbie. But <laughs> there is this thing of underestimating films that talk to women and you're right about Mamma Mia you know people were terribly scathing about that and I remember seeing that all over the country in different cinemas and women just having a fantastic yep. time and you're sort of ignoring half the population <laughs> by not really giving enough films that mm -hmm. talk to people's experiences I'd hope that the lesson from Barbie is we should give really creative, talented people like Greta Gerwig, uh, you know, a big blank check to do these amazing films. I think the lesson that we'll take away is actually studios will be looking for more toys to adapt yeah. into uh, movies. Yeah. <laughs> um, Hasbro's woken up like, yeah. uh, I think very quickly after, they were like, Lena Dunham's going to make a Polly Pocket movie. Yeah. Yeah. Like, That's not the lesson to take from Barbie. <laughs> That's what we wanted. But I loved that it was just so perfectly made as well. It's yeah. immaculate. It doesn't mm. put a foot wrong it's a really beautiful piece of filmmaking that is both you know lots of fun but has something serious to say but also you know it had references back to sort of old Hollywood and yeah. musicals and I just loved everything about it yeah, it's, it's just um, so lush to look at yeah. and everyone was just on top form like you said the writing was amazing songs are amazing oh my God, and I songs. have to mm -hmm. say I love Alan <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Michael Sarah absolutely <laughs> stealing the show. I think the thing that they have in common, Barbie and Oppenheimer, is that a lot of it was shot in camera on old fashioned film sets. Yeah. yeah. Like the sets for Barbie, like the beach set with like these like paper waves in yes. the background and yeah. all this sort of it's stuff. It's genius. It's, yeah. It's so well done. Um, it's also just, I think, so exciting to see a number one film, like we said, that's original, but just so camp and. Yes. Fun. Like a comedy being that high up is super rare these days. Um, usually comedies either go straight to streaming or don't perform particularly well. So yeah. but comedies have been lacking what Barbie has, which is just that like surrealism and just a full commitment to it. Like mm. it's no there's not winking in the traditional sense of like, oh, we're kind of better than this. It's like, no, this is what this is. This is what Barbie is. So you're living in it now <laughs> for like the next hour fifty. So yeah, that's that's excellent. I mean, Warner's between that salt burn and bottoms have really cornered the girls in the gays market. <laughs> like they're really like we're speaking to this group now, and they keep coming out. So yeah. <laughs> Warner's have a great varied slate. It's when distributors have a great varied slate mm. that you feel excited yeah. to be playing their stuff. It's when they don't. And it's sort of like, <laughs> yeah. you know, you know exactly what you're getting down the line. I'm naming no names. Um, <laughs> and, and that's what we need. We need yeah. variety. We need yeah. people to take a chance. But at least it did know. feel quite sad when, like, our cinemas were packed with Barbie and Oppenheimer. Like, everyone, people coming back to the cinema the first time in years were like, and now we have nothing else to yeah. show you. <laughs> The month well, yeah. was so dry. Yeah. We're like, okay, cool. Yeah. Well, that was the that was the hard thing that mm. the actor strike then just meant. Yeah. It, it's such a shame because it was this perfect moment, and then, as you said, what else? <laughs> it really what is a, now. Yeah. It really is a where were you when you found out Dune Two was moving? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think we were on that sort of high. We're like, well, August is fine because people are just going to keep watching Barbie yeah. and Oppenheimer. And then September was when the film started to move. And we're like, oh. Yeah. Yeah. Come back. <laughs> See you later. And then Past Lives swooped in and was past like, yeah. we will save you. 
Uh, that's nice. Well, actually, that's, yeah, so I mean, past lives probably did benefit actually from the you know incredible sort of trailering and marketing yeah, on Barbie true. and Oppenheimer, yeah. and that was the next you know very well reviewed release afterwards. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Uh, wow, that's a very respectable top ten picture house. Well done, for making that. Let's go somewhere new. See worlds we've never seen before, so that we can feel inspired. Whether you're sitting in a cinema or in one of our cars, inspiration comes when we feel something new. That's why our electrified range is designed to take you on inspiring journeys. Kia, proud supporter of independent cinema. Kia, movement that inspires. Now, ahead of this podcast recording, I did ask the panel for their personal top tens, and I've sort of mashed them together to to make a a list. (laughs) There were a few ties, and we've covered some of these films before, so what I'll do is I'll sort of reveal our sort of list, our our collective list, well done everybody, and and if there's something that's in the list which I haven't really spoke about yet, we can talk about uh, that. So So you're saying we shouldn't just keep talking about Barbie? Well, Barbie may come up. Just to talk about Barbie for the rest of the podcast forevermore. Yeah. Does Freya have Barbie as all ten positions? <laughs> no, Freya every was time very you well behaved. It. Very well behaved. Um, I've not put them in any sort of order because there's a few ties here. But the ones that were were sort of collectively together. Uh, first of all, Saltburn and Rye Lane. Um, Lane was a film that came out earlier in the year for Picture House and, and I think we we really enjoyed it and we had a good time with it I don't think it quite punched out as, as much as it could have done uh, at the time but a great British rom-com uh, released by Searchlights uh, from a debut director another Sundance film and filmed in, in Ritzy Screen 1 <laughs> with a Picture House popcorn box. yes <laughs> Featured uh, the most important the most important cameo of the year. <laughs> it was a real surprise because it was filmed during lockdown and when all of our cinemas were closed. And I think we did arrange to sort of hire, but we didn't quite realise how it was going to be used. So when we saw the trailer and it has a popcorn box, a picture house branded popcorn box in the trailer, we all leapt out our seats <laughs> uh, there. And it was only right that we did the uh, the London premiere at the Ritzy um, afterwards with a Q and A. It's a terrific <laughs> film. Uh, yeah, debut. yeah. And, and we did really long. well with yeah. it. We, yeah. Yeah. Good market share. Um, uh, fantastic film there. And then Saltburn as well, which we, we have talked about, but kind of a fun companion to Rylane. Uh, very different <laughs> films. Yeah, <laughs> creating some Two double bills here. The scale uh, <laughs> in terms of the demographic. And like Zillow, Zillow, it's like us. Uh, and then we've got Past Lives and Oppenheimer, which which we've uh, both spoke about. Two masterpieces, in my opinion. But number in at number one, so these films were all tied at number one. Um, so Barbie is tied Woo! with The Killer. Oh, we yes. haven't spoken about Ooh. it yet. New film from David Fincher, um, which was one of those Netflix films, but it does have a cinema release. Yes, it did. Um, so those who put The Killer on, why why is The Killer in, in, in at this high? I had, I mean, I had it in at number ten. I think I had it at number five. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's, oh, I loved it. Yeah. It's great. It's so just so cinematic and mm-hmm. and sort of quite sparing in many ways. And it was it was nice to see Michael Fassbender sort of back, a real return to form. Yeah, I just I just had a great time. I oh yeah, it was a fantastic that watch. Opening segment, I think, is oh. one of my favorite. Bits yeah. of cinema this year. I just Definitely. thought it was so much fun to watch. Hundred yeah, percent. I think showing that often hitman films, assassin films are sort of they're all like really like hyper realistic, quite sexy and like very like yeah. glamorous. And this was the mundanity of yeah. waiting. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> nothing to do. Exactly. It was, just, it was just so well put together. 
Yeah, and just yeah. this like ongoing story of a guy who's got these set of rules that he's clearly not following, but is convinced he is. Mm. Is just a great irony that plays throughout. But like, I'm not yet a mankhead, so I have not been. I didn't enjoy it. Um, I have not gone back to it yet. So that for me, this is a real sort of return to form for Fincher of the kind of Fincher I really enjoy. There's something almost sort of aggressive in it and it's almost like he's going like this is what you guys want isn't it like this is just pure Fincher reduced down to like the core tenants but then you go oh yeah I did want that thank you (laughs) (laughs) yes please yeah yeah, yeah. very pared down I mean I thought it was a terrific film absolutely loved it saw it twice and could happily watch it again yeah, it's quite scruffy, Fincher. Fincher's often quite pristine when mm-hmm. someone lists him, sort of it feels a little bit more hands-on. Um, yeah, there's gritty. some great, like, I um, always think about that one uh, YouTube essay about his use of handheld and how it's reduced over the years. And there's a lot of handheld in this, but only when he's going wrong. And I think, like, that's the kind of level of direction I love that is in those subtle details like that. So, yeah, it's... I feel like that's this is one that perhaps a lot of um, film academics are probably going to be like intro to film class. This is a perfect sort yeah. of example of that. It's also nice to see Michael Fassbender in a film again. He hasn't been. I think he's taken up race car driving. Yeah, he uh, has now, and he doesn't do as much acting. But um, and now we've got him twice in one year. Twice in twice in one year. Yeah. Um, there, but it's been a while, and it was nice to see him back on screen doing yoga, um, <laughs> eating McDonald's. You know, all the things you actually film stars do. And lovely the scene with Tilda Swinton. Oh, oh my yes. god! So I really good. enjoyed when they really described good. her as a Q-tip. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I know. I know. That, and, and so right. Yeah, I was like, it works. So right. <laughs> um, yeah, definitely a good a good film for for Picture House as well. Um, there, and then we had Tar, which I think we've spoken about a little bit. That was in a lot of people's. Uh, and then, interestingly, a Picture House Entertainment double bill. The Eight Mountains uh, scored really highly with this with this panel, um, and that's a film which we haven't talked about yet. So, why is the Eight Mountains on the list, guys? Just cried solidly for like <laughs> two and a half hours. I was, I just thought it was so moving. It was so beautifully shot. I just, yeah, I had like such a connection to it. I don't know. I just thought it was gorgeous. It's a really stunning, stunning film. And one that played, I seem to remember it played quite a long time in cinemas. Like it, it wasn't sort of maybe like, you know, like the biggest opening, but it played and played for weeks and weeks. But that's yeah. what we do. We <laughs> we don't rip it off to put in Mighty Ducks 2. <laughs> We, uh... You might. <laughs> Rep screening, <laughs> hang on. Um, it, it is about giving films time to breathe and Eight Mountains needs that time because people had to discover it. And there's something very old-fashioned about the film. Mm. Uh, it mm. sort of reminded me of the Tavani brothers and that sort of... But great cinema, great story, beautiful backdrop very moving as you said and yeah. i think it just was something that just has to be seen in the cinema mm. it's just so stunning and the sound as well it's just yeah i think um film. we talked about it a bit at the end of killers of the flower moon you know like that sort of experiencing it with an audience and it was a similar thing when i saw the eight mountains at a picture house everybody had been on this collective journey together and we'd all cried <laughs> together yeah. you know <laughs> that was like a good bonding thing to do well if you missed it in cinemas Keep your eyes peeled. <laughs> so many hot tea. tips. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, you're I will. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, not really lovely. CD Eight Mountains in there, um, and then also we have Picture House's Anatomy of a Fall, which made the uh, Picture House top ten um, uh, just after a few weeks. But um, I think we're safe to say we're all big fans of this movie. 
Uh, palm Claire... door and palm dog. Yeah, yeah. one no. coveted two top prizes at Cannes, best dog on film and best Only film. Only film to win. <laughs> yeah. Well, I just do remember sitting in Cannes at the very first screening, a private screening, and Paul Ridd, who was uh, head of acquisitions, was sitting next to me. And after 10 minutes, I nudged him and said, we have to buy this film. <laughs> Whatever else happens in Cannes, we are coming back with this film. And we did. I mean, and oh, then yeah. to see the journey it went on, like actually, you know, being one of the first people to see it and then see it win the Palme d'Or, how did you feel about that? Uh, there is a video my daughter took. It's an excellent me, video. Um, <laughs> <laughs> as the award was announced. And I think I've never been as thrilled to have to release a Palm Door winner is just, for me, one of the ultimate things to be able to do. And a film by a fantastic woman director with a great central performance, a really complex film, but also has you on the edge of your seat. I mean, it's everything I want from cinema and it's everything I want us to do. And it's, so it's, it's great. It's also, like, you know, winning the Palm Door isn't, isn't ever a guarantee of a success. It's, it's, you know, there's a lot of hard work that goes in to get these films to screen. Mm. And it's, it's just so good to see such an incredible film that audiences are responding to and are, you know, we're, how many weeks into the release are we now? Four. 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 Yeah. And, um, you know, our, our cinemas are really busy. The audiences are, are liking it and responding to it. And it's so, it's just so good to see. It's a great, it's a great one to have in at the end of the year. Yeah, it won another award this weekend at the Biffers Best International oh, yeah. Film, yeah. which actually it beat Past Lives, which is oh, wow. amazing. Incredible. <laughs> Who would have thought? But uh, yeah, and I think Sandra Huller and Justine are going to get lots more nominations coming up yeah. in the next few months. It's nice to see too um, every year like foreign language films it becomes less and less of a barrier for people mm. I think like if there's one good thing to say about people's access to streaming and that is that they are a lot more foreign language films have sort of come into their vision so they're now more willing to go see them in the cinema like even though and I've always not all in sort of um, languages besides English. It it still is, you know, 10 years ago, people would be like, oh, that's art house. But now it's like, no, this is a courtroom drama. That's a genre mm. people enjoy. And I've got to go see it because of that. I, I love this one. I love films that are open-ended as well. I mean, I think the 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 slogan that we've been using to market it, did he fall or was he pushed? <laughs> you can still ask yourself that at the end of the film. And I mean, people I have that. different thoughts on yeah. it. Yeah. I yeah, so a lot of the a lot of the cinemas have like the boards where they're asking people to vote, and I always find it quite surprising that it's like basically completely fifty fifty in most sites. So I think that's really cool as well, just like that people are leaving with such different ideas of it. I think within the first five minutes, I was like, she could have done anything to this guy, and she'd be okay. Like I was like, regardless whether she's innocent or not, she doesn't need to be convicted. He is a prat. Yes. Well, the third option is, did the dog do it? Oh, yeah, yes. we, we, we the palm dog, the never. Yeah. No, not Snoop. Oh yeah, Snoop Dog. Snoop oh, Dog, well, excellent. Beautiful excellent stuff. Name. A very well-deserved palm dog yeah. uh, prize there. No, this is, a, I mean, I've seen this film twice and it's another film that rewards uh, repeat viewings uh, for sure. I'm still no uh, clearer on if he did it or not. Do. Uh, <laughs> um, so to move forward there. And then we've got a new, a film which at the time of recording isn't released yet, but uh, oh. a few people have put it on their list, The Boy and the Heron. Yeah, we have. Uh, the new film from 
from Hayao Miyazaki, Studio Ghibli's first animated, hand-drawn animated release in like ten years or so. Um, God, it's been a it's been a journey, a long-awaited film. I think um, I guess at the time of recording, we've got some previews on sale, which seem to be getting a bit of uh, momentum. Oh my God, but... yeah, can I shout out? The cameo audience for really of course, coming out for that audiences. one. Yeah. <laughs> They've uh, always had very good taste. <laughs> yes, exactly. And they love some anime and I love some anime, so it's really a perfect match often. <laughs> Have you got high hopes, I guess, Pixar's programming team for uh, for The Boy and the Heron? It's going to smash it. It's a great film. Yeah. yeah. It's also like... It's kind of a weird film, and that's what I kind of liked about it. And I'm, I'm sort of enjoying. So I'm, I'm looking forward to what the general audience are going to think of it because it's not your, it's not a cuddly Miyazaki. It, yeah, <laughs> it rewards yeah, I think rewatches. The, the Miyazakis is either very cuddly and sweet or really weird. Yeah, it's, like, it's either like a Ponyo or a Spirited Away, basically. Yes. But yeah, I just think for hi- what he's doing, no, like no one else is doing it like Miyazaki the style and the hand-run and the care you see put into all the films, it just comes through and it just has to be seen on the big screen. And I think yeah. it will do very well for us. I think it's exciting this year as well. Um, the uh, the dubbed version, yeah. I think, is a real draw. I think, Izzy, yeah. you're the only one that's actually seen the dubbed version. <laughs> yeah, so here. I've seen the subbed and the dubs now and I do think you should watch both. That's not just <laughs> me telling you to come to the cinema twice, but um, the dubbed performances are... I mean, Ghibli's always of a higher quality for dubbed, so you'd expect it. But, like, the names that they've got really are, like, people at the top of their game anyway. And also, no one's giving a half-hearted performance here. So you're like, Florence Pugh is great. Um, Christian Bale, which is always weird because I fully associate him with Howl's Moving Castle now. Like, But he's doing a great um, dad's performance, I guess. Like, giving a real, oh, yeah, that's what I expect dad to sound like. It's a hard part to play. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it takes long effort. <laughs> but um, it's Robert Person. I know that's the draw for everyone and it's I sat there and was concentrating so hard and trying to imagine him sort of in the booth saying these lines and you just cannot it's completely transformative and I think that that's well worth people just checking it out for that because I don't think I mean he's obviously been across the art house circuit circuit done loads of different roles but this is the first time that you're like oh he's sort of almost a Colin Farrell type where he's like he doesn't want to be anyway sort of the pretty boy role even in voice acting he's like he's got all these skills and really, we're only going to see more from him. So I think, even though it's just a voice performance, it should be treated as up there for him in some of his best work. Would you say with wow. the dark? <laughs> oh my God. Sorry. Robert Pattinson love quick. that. quick. Yeah. Leave the studio now. We have to go and see it. Would you say with the dubbed that you were able to focus on the visuals even more as well? Yeah, I, I think it made more sense to me the second time around. I don't know if I was just watching it the second time around, but I think it's a really good translation that, makes it very clear and concise in ways that perhaps in the subs because you're trying to read it and also it's translating a bit more literally in the sub that you end up sort of maybe missing things or it's really a film I don't think that wants you to figure out everything that's happening but yeah in the dub version at least yeah you do I think I was thinking more of the visuals and also it's always nice to have the credits in English so you can see like I didn't realise <laughs> loads of uh, other anime studios were involved like mm. Production IG who did Ghost in the Shell and Studio Ponok who does like Mary and the Witch's Flower and things like that. So, yeah. I'm a big, like, I have to watch them all in Japanese and subbed, but it has to be said, they always 
put so much care into their dubbing, Studio Ghibli. So it will be like a quality thing. It won't be like people's mouths don't match or they sound weird yeah, or anything so like that. Like, match all the mouths. <laughs> after your cell, I've been <laughs> 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 I read it twice. But really, it's all about the parakeets. <laughs> oh, that's yeah. what you're here for. <laughs> yeah, the parakeets. birds in this one. Not great just birds. Not just oh my god. It's yeah. not, not just about the heron. <laughs> it's a pelican. Great Willem Dafoe one scene performance in the dub as well. It's what he tends to do. One yes. scene performance. Smash it. And that stays leave. with you forever. And then leave. Yeah. I think one of the f- best things about the film for me was the Joe Hisaishi score. Again, another piece of music for me, but um, it's so emotional and, and, and really like uh, raw. Like normally Ghibli has these big orchestral um, scores, and, and with this one, it's really stripped down. There's lots of piano pieces. Quite sad. Um, had a good had a good time though, and it's really nice to see Miyazaki and Joe Hisaishi. It's like the Spielberg and John Williams yeah. uh, of, of Japanese animation working together again on on this Gosh. film. Love Joe. Big Joe. <laughs> oh, Joe. <laughs> uh, is this going to be Miyazaki's last film? Is he, he going to retire like he says again? It every, you know, <laughs> yeah. He's one of those people that some inspiration will come and he'll be pulled back in. Like You can yeah. tell he just can't pull himself away, it, it's a film, which I love. Yeah. <laughs> it's a film that speaks to that as well. It is a film about, in without sort of spoiling too much of it, Like it is a film also about retiring and passing things on. So I think he's definitely cognizant of the idea that he's like, am I or am I not? Like mm. He seems unsure. Uh, and then the final film that came up in our combined uh, list is Killers of the Flower Moon, uh, which we, we've yes. mentioned scored really well at Picture House and yeah. scored really well with people in this room, clearly. Um, Scorsese, baby. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the three and a half hour film comes out on top. <laughs> um, now, Claire, you sent in a slightly different list. Do you want, shall I read the list oh, out and then we can ooh. talk about it? Is it, rag- is it people ranked in the office? <laughs> Um, it's going against everything I normally do, but yes, you can read it out. Okay. And it's in no particular order. Uh, so when we asked for the top tens from the office, Claire actually sent in 12 films, uh, but those films are Saint-Omer, Broker, Night of the Twelfth, Cairo Conspiracy, <laughs> The Eight Mountains, War Pony, Mother and Son, Smoking Causes Coughing, Paris Memories, Scrapper, RMN, and Anatomy of a Fall. <laughs> And, and these films all have something in common. <laughs> what is it? My finger <laughs> Okay, so they're all picture house entertainment films. <laughs> However, what I normally do is when I do my top ten, I take out any picture house entertainment films because mm. I don't want to single out anything in particular. But this year, I've genuinely been really proud of what we've released. And some of them are bigger films, some of them are smaller films. But I think all of them demonstrate a real love of cinema and what we're about. And they're films I feel very passionately about and that we've released and we've looked after and we've given those films to audiences. And, you know, a film like Paris Memories, uh, Alice Winnicott's film, which is a tiny little film... But that film wouldn't have got a release if we hadn't picked mm. it up or it would have got a release and it would have gone straight on streaming or whatever. And it's mm. a fantastic film. So I just wanted really to trumpet the fact that we release these films, which are great films. They get all the love and the support from everybody that works at Picture House and how fantastic that is. 
So it's a real who's who of directors in here. You've got some amazing auteurs. Yeah. Uh, Hirokazu Koreeda, their broker. I know Pitch House are releasing his next film, Monster, yeah. next year too. Um, that was a bit of a dream come true uh, for me to get to work on uh, one of his films. And you've got everything from the very small films like Paris Memories are right up to the Palm Door winner uh, with Anatomy of a Fool. And Smoking Calls is Coffee. Oh, uh, yeah. Excellent <laughs> film. You know. Thank you. Damn, <laughs> shove out my top 10. <laughs> I loved Cairo Conspiracy. I yeah. thought that was wonderful. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was like a proper sort of, you know, like gritty, um, like, you know, conspiracy thriller type movie. A film that I don't think Pitch House has released a film like that before, but I was I was gripped. Oh, yeah. <laughs> My dad loved that film. Excellent, excellent dad thriller. One for the dads. Yeah. <laughs> that's, a com- that's a big compliment. After it, Chris said he liked it as well. Yeah. <laughs> I think it is hard to, to pick any of those films and say they're bad films, because I don't think any of them are. I mm-hmm. think they've all got... Yeah. They tell great stories, they're by great directors. And uh, as I said, I'm just, I couldn't this year. I thought, well, either I put some of them in, but I thought, no, they're all great. So that is my top 12. Yeah. <laughs> and we're all fired for not putting them Yes, it's been noted. <laughs> Can I throw something in? I love documentaries, documentaries are the best films and I I can't stand the idea of a top ten without a documentary in it <laughs> and there's no documentary in our list um, not in our combined list but uh, I know you had a couple um, I guess your number one was a documentary Smoke Sauna Sisterhood oh uh, yes absolutely wonderful very cinematic mm-hmm. um, who else has seen it have you seen it Izzy no I no? still haven't so I had no idea that would be your top ten love it you I and Cameo yeah. love yeah. it yeah <laughs> to Edinburgh I saw it at Sheffield.fest I saw it on a huge screen the director sort of did a chant at the beginning which was wonderful to sort of get everybody in the mood but it's um it's this log cabin that's what that was about and it's this log cabin sauna in the middle of a snow-covered forest in finland and uh you'd think that was hard to 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 make cinematic but it's just shot so beautifully it's sort of sumptuously shot but it's creating this safe space for all of these women to get together and talk about trauma in their lives uh, mostly at the hands of men sadly and it's just this incredible combination of you know form and function and it has everything and we did play it in a number yeah. of cinemas I think at Hackney Pitch House in particular the Estonian Embassy brought 40 people down and had a bit of a party and I think <laughs> that I saw on Facebook that I wish I'd been there I saw on Facebook that the director uh, was just so thrilled that that was the film's introduction to London and it's Aww. just such a beautiful film it could possibly be in my overlooked list if you haven't seen it seek it out oh yeah our audience I think took to it really like more than I thought they would which is in a good way I was really glad we did amazingly the cameo yeah oh yeah I think it has a ridiculous market share for like a single film (laughs) in the whole of um yeah Cameo alone had 12% of the yeah, time for the whole market. UK. Yes. Yes. The whole UK. That's a, amazing. We had a sold out Q&A at Brighton as well because I know they have a big sauna community down there which I found out about which is excellent. Like, um, So yeah, I'm really glad people took to it. It's I know they were going to wheel out portable saunas at one oh point God. in the release. Oh, sadly, sadly, I don't think that came to pass. Would have been there, uh, Everyone yeah, get amazing. naked. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, maybe that's why it didn't happen. <laughs> I did get a call from the distributor saying, could we bring a sauna to the Hackney Pitch House? And I was like, um... <laughs> 
Uh, wait a minute. Uh, a question I never thought I'd be asked. Is that why it didn't happen? Uh, like, yeah, was it you? Did you I think there was some um, health and safety Clement. bits and bobs. Um, so we're just sort of getting close to the end of the podcast, but I did want to ask you a few sort of quick fire questions uh, here. Whilst we got you, a lot of film experts in the room. Um, if I had to ask you for one overlooked gem uh, that you'd like to recommend to the audience, uh, is there anything you'd like to shout out that we haven't already? Well, already funnily mentioned? enough, talking of documentaries, I have two overlooked gems, like I have twelve in the top ten. <laughs> so I've got uh, "If the Streets Were on Fire," a fantastic We've documentary, well. yeah. which actually won some awards at the Biffers uh, last night. Which is a wonderful film, of which the theme is "Knives Down, Bikes Out," and it's a, just a great low-budget documentary about turning. Uh, kids who are really in a very negative environment into a positive riding bikes and having fun with it. And the other one, I just, I think, Blackberry about oh, the rise yeah. and you stole mine <laughs> yeah. I thought it was great which I yeah. thought was fantastic and it was so funny and it's such a great tale um, and it just sort of disappeared mm. yeah it just did not hit in that first week and it it's was so it's a film busy. that should have done well for us yeah, yeah. It's very good. Yeah. yeah, it was a shame. It was quite delayed from the US release. Yeah, it got I think. Lost, maybe. Well, it got lost time. in the States as well. It didn't. Yeah, yeah exactly. Too Canadian. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but if you liked Air, you should watch Back It's way better than Air. Yeah, yeah. But <laughs> it's my close. good. I like yeah. yeah, yeah. But I just like Zagby's to see men, a man fall from grace. Exactly. Not just a man get really good. <laughs> it is an excellent Glenn Howerton performance as a crazy businessman. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, Have we got any more overlooked gems? I. Rose, Rose Julie. I put passages down as one that I wanted yes. more people <laughs> to, to see. Yes, I feel yes, like it yes. just maybe needed more time to yeah. connect. But yeah, that was one that I kind of thought was really good enough to have maybe reached more. Hundred percent. It's like it was past lives victim oh, yeah, <laughs> in that September. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Past and lives victim. It was. <laughs> they took it out. <laughs> Um, it was my number one film of uh, this year. Um, wow. Yeah, I adored it as well. Mm-hmm. And I think more people should see it. If you've got a movie um, membership, like it's probably on there now, I suspect. But um, yeah, check it out. Iris Axe is great. Great Ben Whishaw performance. Mm. Franz uh, Rogowski. Yeah. yeah. Um, oh, he's excellent. So he's so good. He's so hot. Like <laughs> It's just excellent all around. But if you like the worst person in the world, I would recommend checking this out. Mm-hmm. Nice. I saw yeah. a great Q&A with Iris Axe at Picture yes. Central uh, for that film. Uh, um, what a treat. I just wanted to shout out my one I had because it was in my top ten. I don't think it's particularly underwatched, but I think more people should check it out. Barbie. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you haven't, uh, as I enter my seventh watch of Barbie, um, uh, talk to me. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, it came out yeah, week well. two of Barbie. Yeah, yeah. so <laughs> this is Barbie's victim now. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean, just... Australian horror is the best horror in the world and not enough people watch it here. Is, is that my because soapbox. you're Australian? No, no, I just, I, no, I lived there for a bit, that's all. Um, they but, are making the most interesting yeah, horror. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, Royal Hotel Hotel was cracking. Yeah, yeah exactly. People should have seen yeah. it. Royal Hotel was really cool. Um, and Talk To Me's recently gone on Netflix, so yeah, if you haven't seen it yet, I recommend checking it out there. But um, on that, like, if you are like, have missed those ones, uh, last night, Late Night with the Devil, rather, it's coming, and that's also Australian horror, so, like, they're always out there. Oh, wow. I'm making people watch them. <laughs> Come on, Freya. Okay. I can see you chomping oh at the bit. 
<laughs> Barbie. No, yeah. Barbie was underrated. Yeah. <laughs> Should have been on two billion by now. <laughs> no, I'm so, yeah, like Barbie though, I'm a big comedy fan. I think they're quite hard to do well. Like most of them are quite bad. <laughs> so it's quite hard to be a comedy film fan. But I think two films, Theatre Camp and Bottoms, yes. which both came out and I think were a bit overlooked. Theatre Camp especially because it was in August. There wasn't like that much else going on I think it's just a quality comedy me and Chris saw it oh, it's wonderful it's so yeah. funny yeah, it's very it's sweet. funny and it, it felt like it was very us I mean we still had like the best market share on the film to mm-hmm. be fair but I just think if people if people went to see it you wouldn't be leaving disappointed and then Bottoms is just yeah incredible I yeah. think Mean Girls for a New Gen like it's absurd satire but it's also gay and fun and yeah and I think Emma Seligman and Rachel Senna are two very exciting talents um, going on at the moment. Absolutely. Emma Seligman was on this podcast a few weeks ago. <gasps> oh my God. Um, Did she a, sit in yeah. the seat? <laughs> 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 uh, definitely one to seek out though when it pops up on streaming um, there okay um, so let's do favourite memories any any sort of events I guess this year we've done at Picture House that you want to give a shout out or or you know any significant the all <laughs> Uh, so I guess for context be. this year, uh, Claire, you've brought in All Nighters at Picture House Central. We've done two now. And, and not... there'll be a third in the spring. <laughs> they're, not just, they're not just All Nighters. It's more like a film festival. I think each night we've done these, we've played about 35 movies <laughs> oh, God, yeah. uh, using every single screen at Picture House Central. Um, and, and yeah, wild to sort of see the building so busy in the wee hours. Yeah, uh, It is all that. But again, it's this whole thing of, you know, it's lovely that every Everybody feels passionately about it. They want to be involved. It's all about cinema. It's all about film. It's the whole thing that cinema creates in that one night. And everybody there involved, enjoying it, people having such a good time. It's what I get up out of Mm. bed for. It's what I've always... It's my whole thing. And to be a part of it is just I love being a part of these things. Uh, it was uh, it was electric. We should give a special shout out to Edgar Wright who joined us for the whole night whole um, and night. beyond for the last one. Yeah, uh, I think his one overran by about two hours. Yeah. Yeah. So many Q and A's and he was amazing. It wasn't an all night. It was two all nights. Yeah. <laughs> Twenty-four hours. Did he buy the Jaffa cakes? I yeah. Just to fact check that. I'll be putting those expenses. Yeah. Yeah. No. It was that was that was really fun and great to be involved i know a lot of us were there and it was uh, a lot of hard work on everybody's part and i think that's the thing you know you appreciate how much hard work something like that is but you do it because you love film Mm -hmm. and that's why we all do it yeah it's just one of those things just purely for the love of cinema that that's the only thing driving the all nighter um, that and like yeah delirium I guess yeah just like, de- desperately repeating that to yourself at 3am while you're waiting for the next film to go in <laughs> like walking in circles it's a weird I think having done them twice this year it is, is weird being uh, awake all night <laughs> and and yeah about 4am everybody forgets how to speak but you're yes. all sort of there <laughs> together yeah it feels um it's like some of us have posted a screen, but definitely like by the end, I was like, felt very connected <laughs> to my screen. I was like, none of you are going anywhere. Yeah. We're here for the whole night. <laughs> well, I didn't leave till 12 p.m. the next day. And I don't know how I got home, to be honest. <laughs> uh, Chris, how about you? Mine would be an event 
from only a couple of days ago, actually, on Sunday at Hackney. We have this um, season running through to the end of February. It's called At Home in Hackney, and it's tying in with a photography exhibition, uh, which is all uh, the work of photographers who've uh, who've uh, shot lots of photos in Hackney. And our film season is, uh, is Hackney on screen, essentially. And we showed a... Um, it turned out to be the London premiere of a documentary called Portrait of Kay, which had its UK premiere at Sheffield two years ago, so a long wait for its London premiere. And it's only 56 minutes long, and it's about a woman called Kay who's agoraphobic, who lives in Hackney, but has barely left her house in the 50 or so years that, that she's lived there. And uh, But she's archived her life on the walls with photos and news clippings. And... Um, and we had this screening and in the audience were a lot of people who knew Kay and the director himself. I think he was friends with her. He was like a neighbour. He was friends with her for eight years before the idea of making a film, uh, I think, even occurred to him. And so just it was just a I mean, it's a really, really beautiful film. Um, but I loved that it brought in the community. It was a real community event. And uh, it was just, you know, that's. That's sort of one of the things that I really love about screening films like this. Um, and, you know, the audiences you get and the discussions that you have afterwards. Mm -hmm. And that was a real high point for me this year. Also a plug for At Home in Hackney, running ah. through <laughs> every Sunday through to the end of February. <laughs> it's true, though. Q&As really are like some of the highlights of Pitch House events, I think. We get some yeah. excellent Q&As. <laughs> Uh, cool. Is yours also the all-nighter, Izzy, or have you got something else? Oh, no, definitely the all-nighter, but oh, yeah. also just a general one of I've had a lot of good pitch house audience experiences this year, including seeing Bottoms with a guy that was giving the best commentary. Like, I've never had such a community level of laughter and sort of, you know, after jokes are made, having little comments in a way that sort of fit the the vibe of the film, you know? Incredible stuff. Um, how about yours, Ruth? Um... I think in addition to the all-nighters, <laughs> um, I was really chuffed to work on the Weimar stuff really mm. early on in the yeah. year. And I think, again, just like bringing films that are like 100 years old to audiences now and seeing them be really busy and people being excited to either watch again or to like discover those films, I think is just, yeah, that was really incredible to be a part of. Incredible stuff. And Freya? Yeah, all nighter. <laughs> Freya, Freya, tell your May December story. Oh yeah, <laughs> May December, which was on my top ten. Love yeah. that film. But yeah, I saw it in Central, and everyone was having a great time. Like everyone was laughing, and then at the very end, this um, old couple who was next to us, they said, "Just so you know, like to the screen, you ruined my entire experience. This was not a comedy." And about thirty people in unison replied, "It is a comedy." <laughs> And then I just started dying laughing. I couldn't believe it. They were just guys like, you've totally misread the film. And then we all had to like awkwardly walk out together afterwards. <laughs> it was amazing. Oh, the joy of seeing a film with a, you know, a group of strangers. Yeah. Everyone's going to read it slightly differently. Um, well, I think we should wrap up there. But because this is our Christmas edition, there are some Christmas gifts, uh, which we'll just hand out quickly now. Oh, my God. Uh, here. So they're, they're not wrapped because we're doing an eco-friendly Christmas. And um, I didn't have time. It's not visual. Yeah. And now I've, so I've just screwed up. Pass that one to Chris. Pass it on to Izzy. Oh my god. Pass it on to you. Pass it on to yourself. Guys, I got Barbie. <laughs> um, 
so Freya's been championing Barbie, so it felt right to, yes, for Freya for you to have Barbie. So um, Rose, what have you got? Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I've got Meg 2, The Trench. <laughs> One of the yes. films of the year. Um, now, Steak. we got this for you because you worked very closely with director Ben Wheatley on an amazing season of his yes. films earlier in the year about folk horror, and it felt only right to top that yeah. off with a big shark film. Your bestie, your bestie Statham. Yeah. <laughs> I had a great time with the night too. Rose saw it on her birthday eve in 3D. I did. Yeah. So, oh. not see it. Great time. Uh, and then, Izzy, what have you got? I've got Puss in Boots, The Last Wish. Uh, so that's great. a gift from Freya. Yes. You're welcome. <laughs> great animation. Love the orphanage. Chihuahua representation. That's what I want. <laughs> uh, so, Chris, what have you got? I've got uh, Murder on the Orient Express, the uh, Albert Finney, Sean Connery version. Oh uh, so I bought that for you, which is not a film from this year, but I got it for you because it's a great Boxing Day film. Uh, and this podcast comes out <laughs> shortly after that. Aww. Aww. <laughs> I look forward to it. Thank you. Uh, and Claire, what have you got? I've got Past Lives and I'm very, very happy <laughs> because this will be great Christmas viewing. Um, now, Claire, you've got a gift for all of us because it's available on... Uh, is there isn't a physical version of it. No, no. And sadly, I did have some gifts to give out, but I've left them on the floor at home. In my <laughs> um, but it would be Nyad. Oh, <laughs> yes. Right. Uh, I haven't seen it yet. <laughs> and I'll tell you why. I love that film mm -hmm. because it is two old women swimming and being an old woman and loving swimming and great parts for Jodie Foster and for Annette Benning. Yes. And I just thought there would be, I mean, it sort of disappeared without it sank. In, in the world yeah. of the film. And I know it's not everybody's cup of tea, but I do feel it's worth a watch and just to see two great actresses doing their thing and one of them in the water. <laughs> yeah, so that's I, available on yeah. Netflix now, so we can all go home and watch. <laughs> yes. yes. I came true. back and I said I thought it was fine. Like, I didn't dislike it. And Claire, <laughs> and Claire was like, it's great for old people, great for swimmers, great for lesbians. So put it on the poster. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's right. Yeah. So many markets. That's all your quadrants. They're all other type yeah. people. <laughs> yeah. So always round, it's a gem. Yes. Well, nice. Well, there you go. So we've got some viewing of our own and, and, and it's been really great to talk to you guys about the the year, the year in cinema. Thank you so much. Thank you. Um, Thank you, Sam. Thank you, Sam.